There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire with his long wooden pipe. Fuzzy woolly toes. He lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. He's only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. The bravest little hobbit of them all. Now hobbits are peace-loving folks, you know. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norton and I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Andrew Brooker. Hello. As we have a look at the last seven days or so in film since you were last with us, this week including a new release uh, review of It Follows and a Triple Bill. Welcome return to Triple Bill. Uh, But first off is the quiz. Uh, I won last week and (laughs) I had a special little treat up my sleeve for Owen, didn't I? Yes, you did. You bastard. Um, Kill Keith was the film that you chose. Before, and before, I think... before, before you review Kill Keith, <laughs> yes. could, you, could you give people a brief synopsis of, of what Kill Keith is about? And who stars in Kill Keith? <laughs> I, I can try. I can try and explain it, but people aren't going to believe this is a real film. It is. It's definitely real. Uh, okay, so it was released in 2011. It was directed by some guy called Andy Thompson, who's done a few small British films. And the tagline for the film is Saw meets Richard and Judy. That is the genuine (laughs) tagline on the poster. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yes. The poster, completely yellow. It's got um, the main character, Keith, who I'll come on to in a second, in a yellow Bruce Lee style jumpsuit, holding a sword like Kill Bill, you know. Um, I don't really know how to explain it. It's about Keith Chegwin, Cheggers, who um is like uh, uh he works on a daytime TV show, and he interviews random people. He doorsteps them. And is it is this part of the film, or is this are you just describing? No, this is real. This is I part just, of the I, film. I so... just wondered if you were describing to people. I know we do have some non-UK based listeners we do. like explaining to them who Keith Chegwin is before you've done the film bit or if this was part of the film. Cause I was... <laughs> no, he's playing like a kind of exaggerated, fictionalised version of himself. I hope it's fictionalised. I hope it's exaggerated, put it that way. It's not, um, it's not the same version of himself that he played in extras when he, when he cameoed in that, was it? No, similar though, I think. Similar, but... Um, because in that, he was just kind of like a sad, depressed ex-TV presenter, wasn't he? Yeah. He was just, in this, he's actually working. He's a, a working 
guy on TV. Anyway, he's um, in contention to replace the co-anchor of a daily TV show up at the crack, at door, crack of dawn. Uh, with Dawn, an actual Dawn, as part of this TV show, played by Susanna Fielding. But mainly, I mean, you think the film's going to, yeah, you think the film's going to be about Keith Chegwin, and the, the the plot really is about there's a guy called the Breakfast Serial Killer who's going around killing people, um, celebrities like Joe Pasquale and Tony Blackburn. Hold on, and celebrities like Joe Pasquale. Well, that's the level we're dealing with here. <laughs> A-listers, as you can tell. Um, and some of them are there playing themselves, and some of them are just... Uh, <laughs> some of them have no idea what's going on. Like, uh, there's a guy called um, Joey, or Joe Tresini, I think his name is, who's like a young British... Um, uh, like, uh, comedian. He's been in a few BBC Three sitcoms, that kind of thing. He plays Tony Blackburn. And then Tony Blackburn appears in the film. The real Tony Blackburn, the former Radio 1 disc jockey, appears, who plays a guy called Tony Burnblack, who is then used as a body double for Tony Blackburn. Because <laughs> they're all scared of this breakfast serial killer who's going to turn up and murder them. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it's uh, terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, so the film you think is going to be centred around Keith Chegwin, you know, and uh, I suppose if I'm... How would you describe Keith Chegwin, Steve, to people who are not from the UK and probably haven't heard of him before? I don't... I can't think of a direct comparison because I don't watch TV from other countries of of that nature. Uh, He is an excitable little chap uh, (laughs) who who does the kind of... So say you've got, like, um, I suppose, isn't there something in America called Good Morning America? It's, yeah. like, it's like your morning TV show that encompasses news and stories of interest and and other things like that. It's just on first thing in the morning. It's what you wake up to. And you've got the, little, you've got the presenter who's, like, not in the studio, but he goes around doing all, like, the fluff pieces or yeah. knocking on pieces. It's him. Yeah. Well, he used to do a section on The Big Breakfast, which was him turning up on people's doorsteps and saying, wake up, you beggars, it's cheggers. That was his, like, catchphrase, I think. So, yeah, but he's been on things like It's a Knockout, which is like, um, he, yeah, It's a Knockout, I suppose is a bit like, um, what's that thing that Richard Hammond presents? Uh, where people fall in the water and bounce off big bouncy balls and try and do an obstacle course. Sort of like that, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah but the Americans that, that, have got one as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's basically, that's what we're dealing with. That's the kind of person we're dealing with. Which, to be honest, the premise, I don't think the premise is that bad, in a sense. If you've got Keith Chegwin playing Keith Chegwin, who's being hunted by a serial killer, or possibly is a serial killer, or you know, is involved somehow with the disappearance of a few other celebrities. Um, I don't think it's that bad. It seems like it could potentially be funny. However, it really is just not funny in the slightest. And the biggest problem is the film is centred around this guy called Danny, 
who's played by an actor uh, in the loosest possible sense of the word, called Mark Pickering, who is the most annoying fucking dimwit of a character in a film I've seen for ages. And it's like, you, you kind of hope that it's going to be so bad it's good. You just think maybe it's just going to be one of these where it's just so cringeworthy that you're laughing at it, even if you're not laughing with it. But no, it's just absolutely diabolical. Utterly, utterly, horrendously diabolical. And the worst thing about the film is I couldn't find it available to watch on like Netflix or Amazon. So you I, you made me pay for this, Steve. I paid £2.50 to watch Man. Kill Keith because you know, of you. Why didn't you spend £2.50 on it? Google Play. Why didn't you just... Like, you probably could have bought it off eBay for cheaper than that or something. Yeah, I know. I left it too late. I mean, it got to, like, Saturday, and I was like, oh, fuck, I was supposed to watch Kill Keith. I mean, for you... And- you spending two pound fifty on this is is purely your own fault and no one else's. <laughs> it's your fault. I would not have paid to watch this if it wasn't for you. Um, oh. So basically, Steve, um, from this moment on, there's a bounty on your head. I'll just put that out there. You know, I'm willing to pay up to two pound fifty if someone can get revenge for me for for you making me watch this. So you basically got to try and find a worse film now than Kill Keith for me to watch. I've either got to find a worse film or make you watch Kill Keith, because I do not believe you've watched Kill Keith. Have you watched Kill Keith? Of course I haven't. No, exactly, there we go. So a film of worse or equal badness. But I don't think there is one that's worse. So you're going to pay it forward by making him watch Kill Keith? I could. I, I, might, I might just flip it around, you know. Send it back your way. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awful. It is, it is awful. It is just so awful. So awful. Is Danny Dyer in it? N- not even Danny Dyer. No. So not it, even, not Danny, even Dyer. Danny Dyer wants to be in this movie. Oh, dude. No. Is, is, it, is it better or worse than Run For Your Wife? <laughs> Fucking hell. I, see, I only watched about half of Run For Your Wife. I had to turn that off. I couldn't take any more. So, so you watched all of Kill Keith? I watched all of Kill Keith. I'm committed all... to this, you see, this quiz. Did, so seriously, did I take you it. have to tell um, your good lady partner why you were watching Kill Keith? Yeah. Did she watch it with you? Her face when I said, oh, so I'm going to watch this film um, on the TV. You're going to have to watch it with me. She was mortified. So you've ruined two people's afternoons by making uh-huh. me and my good lady wife watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so there'd, there'd be like furniture thrown at me if I said to the wife yeah we're watching a film with Keith Chegwin in <laughs> yeah I mean she was doing other things at the same time so it wasn't like she was watching it whereas I was paying attention I was trying to watch this um, just yeah. will, willing yourself to enjoy it yeah I was trying to see the like it, the funny side of it or you know, if it's a satire of anything, it isn't. It's just not. It's just, it is what it is. And it's, what it is, is fucking horrendous. Cheggers is a nice guy, though. No, nothing against Cheggers? No, I mean... Um, do, you, do you remember Naked Jungle? I can't say I do. I don't, rem- um, I don't remember it, but it's passed into kind of British game show folklore of... <laughs> Keith Jegwin hosting a game show completely naked where all the contestants were completely naked. Dear Lord. 
Uh, well, I'm sure if I had seen it, it would have been like wiped from my mind or burned onto your retinas. One of the two, yeah. Um, I, I, it's in like a little black box somewhere if, in the back of my mind. If you if you lose the the next round of the quiz, I might get in touch with Channel Five Direct and see if they can send me a box set and they hit jungle for you to watch. <laughs> oh God! Ugh, no. You won't Just find don't. you won't find a worse film for me to watch than this. I don't think. All right. Yeah, Brooker. Okay, Steve, turn your headphones off. I'm going to tell you what the answer is to the quiz because I am not watching <laughs> Naked Jungle. <laughs> oh my God! It's here on his Wikipedia page. Chegwin presented the Channel Five and Yorkshire Television ooh, nudist game show, Naked Jungle, appearing naked, except for a hat. So he maintained his uh, dignity, of course, throughout that show. Hold on, wasn't it one of those stupid, dumbass Crocodile Dundee hats? Yeah. That doesn't say. Oh. I hope he changed his hat with each episode. That would be something. <laughs> well, it wouldn't, Just because, one win, because when you get the win. box set, we're going to get descriptions, you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's no when. This isn't <laughs> happening. This is not a thing that's going to take place. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, oh, anyway um, on to the quiz itself then. And uh, as I won last time, Owen is quiz master. It's me versus guest. Yes. So, um, <sighs> we're starting afresh. So, obviously, it's nil-nil. Um, and, yeah, as the quiz always works, I'm just going to read out some films for uh, a certain actors' filmography. And I'm going to start in 1985 with The Goonies. Steve. Yeah? Corey Feldman. It's not Corey Feldman, no. You having a guess, Brooker? That would have been my one and only guess. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do the... I'm, this really annoys Steve, and I'm quite glad it annoys Steve now, after making me watch Kill Keith. I'm not going to do them in, like, chronological order either. So the next film is from 2007, uh, Planet Terror. Steve. Yeah? Corey Haim. <laughs> no, it's not. Corey someone. It's not Corey anyone. <laughs> uh, Josh Brolin. It's Josh Brolin. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Brooker. There that, go. that was a horrendous guess. It was a really good guess. It was that or Rose McGowan. I was like, Rose McGowan wasn't in the Goonies. Well, I nearly did go for Rose McGowan. <laughs> Basically, the way this works, I just look at my DVDs, which are next to my laptop, and I think, mm, oh, look, there's the Planet Terror DVD. Who was in that? That's how this worked. <laughs> uh, but no, it was Josh Brolin, of course. Pressure's off, off a little bit Josh now. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't you didn't you go two 0 up last time, Owen? I managed to claw it back and win. Yeah, so, unbelievably. So um, yeah. <laughs> it means nothing. Yeah, it's all to play for. Yeah, the game is wide open. Mm. Uh, on to the news now, and uh, not long after the last podcast came out, we received sad news uh, that Leonard Nimoy passed away. Um, most famous, obviously, for playing the role of Spock in Star Trek in various forms, whether on the big screen or the small screen. 
Um, so, I mean, I don't, obviously sad news and thoughts go out to all his friends and family and anyone close to him, anyone who knew him. Uh, either of you Star Trek fans? No. I, no, I wouldn't say I was a Star Trek fan, but I've seen the nine films, I think, yeah. plus the two recent ones. Um, and to, to be fair, Leonard Nimoy is utterly brilliant at them. And it's not that he he was even playing Spock, it was the fact he like directed a few of the films, he wrote some of them. Um, he heavily, it was him and William Shatner, um, who sort of heavily influenced the direction of a lot of these films. Um, and he, he just seems like an all-round really nice bloke. Yeah, he was a proper kind of turned up at all the 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 events, yeah. the 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 comic the conventions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All of that, and he, you know, he was always there and shaking hands and meeting people, wasn't he? He was one of them that was always he kind of pushed for all of his fans. He did, yeah. I think he was also like a bit of a hippie as well, so he just <laughs> got on with everybody. He was just really one of these people who, obviously, very. Um, What's the word? He's, you know, he had his own principles and, you know, he stuck by them. And, uh, you know, like I say, he, he influenced the direction of a lot of the Star Trek films. Like, have either of you seen Star Trek Four, for example, where they go back in time to save the whales? That was the, yeah. Yeah, the whale one. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious film. And he's brilliant in it. And he directed it and sort of set the direction of where that film should go. Um, so, you know, he, he used his powers for good. I think, to try and get messages out there about, you know, the environment and the way people treat each other and stuff. So, yeah, I think he was one of these sort of genuinely nice people who absolutely no one has ever had anything bad to say about him as far as I'm aware. I was looking through, um, you know, researching um, what people thought of him today. And, yeah, everyone, Zachary Quinto, who played Spock in the new Star Trek films, said he was just like a, a father figure to him. And he was really just encouraging and helping him with how to get into character and what Spock was like. And he really, you know, took the character of Spock to, to heart. It was well, I, I quite don't, personal I don't know if he always did, because apparently he had, he released two autobiographies. One was called I Am Not Spock, and yeah. one was called I Am Spock. So I don't yeah. think his, his relationship with Spock was always that. Well, I suppose there was the whole, you know, typecast thing that goes on where people don't want to be too closely associated with characters. But I think in his sort of later life, because the the second autobiography was in the early 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. I think he'd sort of learnt to accept that it was a good thing and, you know. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, so I think he he genuinely liked the character, whether or not he always enjoyed playing him or being associated with Spock, I don't know, but... um, there's a lot of affection for for his character, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was one of those as well where it was a shock to a lot of people that he died. But I think he he had um, it was complications to some pulmonary disease that he had. So you know, it wasn't a complete shock to his friends and family and stuff. But um, I think didn't you know he, he had chance last year that he was ill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he was like eighty three, I think eighty two, eighty three. Yeah. So, yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I I I really like Leonard Nimoy, and I really like um, the character of Spock. I think he he obviously made him iconic 
and he has a very distinctive look about him anyway, even away from the sort of vulcanized uh, makeup and stuff, you know. But yeah, I think um, I think he'll be missed, and uh, I can even forgive him for making appearances in Transformers Three because of oh god, that was bad. It was bad, but you know that's the nature of the guy. I'm willing to to forgive and forget and move well, on. The thing was, it was even passable until we started spouting Star Trek lines as a giant uh, robot. When he he gets the Star Trek two quote, doesn't yeah. he? Backwards, yeah. And it's the uh, the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many and stuff. I wanted to crawl under my chair and die for watching it. Yeah, I had exactly the same experience, and then I made Steve and. Um, James watch it when I won the quiz. So I liked I, I liked his uh, guest spot in The Simpsons. Or the yeah, <laughs> yeah, the couple I think didn't they? Yeah, he was in the monorail one. Yeah, he was yeah. in he was in the um, the one where Mr. Burns they think he's a alien or something. Like he's he's reading the books that the story's coming from about that. Oh right, okay. Um, and I'm sure he's in another one as well. Hmm. Um, so I mean, he has definitely had a sense of humour, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So long ago that he was, he played Spock. Nineteen sixty-six, I think, the first Star Trek series yeah. came out. And I mean, he did play him up to as as most recently in the two J.J. Abrams Star Trek films, mm. Which, mm. which I didn't. I thought the first one was good. The second one, not so much, um, but it's still enjoyable. But I suppose. If you're a hardcore Trekkie, then you might have more reason to to dislike them. Mm, possibly. Uh, See, I, I thought the the first reboot was all right. You could forgive it because it was trying to get a decent, you know, get that big rabid fan base and appease them a bit. Mm. So I could forgive it a lot. The second one, not so much. The second one annoyed me, and especially again with the carbon copy of the end of Star Trek Two. So, yeah. There were a lot of problems with that film, for sure. I was throwing wine gums at the screen at that point. <laughs> oh, please, just fucking stop. Uh, anyway, so yes, um, that was the sad news of Leonard Nimoy's passing. Um, other news, um, Andrew, you had a bit of news for us, didn't you, from the, the BBFC? Yeah, it's the, the BBFC have banned uh, a little indie film called Hate Crime. Uh, it's from a director called James Cullen Bresick, and I really, really hope I pronounced his name right. <laughs> but he, it's, it's a film, it's a horror film uh, about home invasion. A bunch of neo-Nazi meth heads break into a Jewish family's house and torture them for no reason other than the fact they're meth-crazed neo-Nazi dickheads. Mm-hmm. And the the they were, there was a couple of companies in the UK that were trying to get it certified so they could stream it uh, on UK screens, on UK VOD. So, of course, they had to have it classified, and the BBFC have just gone, well, no. No no cuts, no nothing. You can't cut it. It's just, it's now, it's banned. It's on a list of films that you just, it's not allowed to show in this country. It's absolutely That's only going to give it a lot more publicity in the end, isn't it? Cause, um... The thing with the BBFC is they're kind of antiquated now, aren't they? Let's be yes, fair. They're, you know, the ratings are great. They're a good guidance. You know, I see something's 18 rated. I'm not going to put it on while the two-year-old is in the room. <laughs> but I'm a fucking grown-up. I can decide what I will and won't watch. Mm-hmm. 
And in the age of the fucking internet, I, there are several sites you can just pay your £4 and watch it online. I think I watched Hate Crime online at work without a VPN one day when the office was empty. You know, it's, it's freely available. What is the fucking point in banning it for one site that wanted to have it certified to make it an official UK release? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the whole system's kind of, uh, like you said, antiquated. It's out, it's out of date, and you know, th- there are other ways of finding out whether something in a film is gonna offend you or not. And I mean, I'm you, happy for the, the the certificates. Like I say, I know that an 18 red film isn't suitable to have on, you know, when the nieces and nephews are running around. But uh, but there's there's still even like the impact that the ratings uh, a film has ends up on its distribution anyway. Because yeah. if they give a film a 15 or an 18 even, makes it less likely to be shown in certain cinemas who would yeah. rather have punters through the door. So therefore, why not make Taken 3? Why not make Expendables 3 12 A's? And then you'll get more people to see them. Okay, what do you need to do to get a 12 A? Just remove the blood. Same film, just you know, get rid of some of the cussing and get rid of some of the blood. <laughs> And suddenly that makes it all right, and it's just that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the thing it's... with hate crime is, I mean, it's only like 77 minutes long. Mm. It's not very long at all, and you couldn't really cut anything from it. But yeah, I think I think the BBFC said that it's the the un un uh, the racially motivated sexual violence because there's a rape scene in it. Right. But you don't see an awful lot. You don't see much at all. It's an indie film. You. There's not there's not much you can show and have it mm. still be believable, and you know I I've seen countless films with actual stomach churning sexual violence in, you know the on Netflix for Christ's sake, <laughs> mm. you know it's it's completely backwards and I I think personally I think the only thing like the cynic in me goes because obviously there's been a lot of stuff on the news in the UK about anti-Semitic violence. That's the only BBFC have gone. Oh shit, uh, Jews. Uh, no, hmm. that's all. That's the only thing I can see. The only reason I can see for it because, I mean, you watch Antichrist and there's some horrendous stuff hmm. Hmm. in that film, you know, or you know, sexual stuff like Nymphomaniac I saw in Cineworld for Christ's sake, and it's an R18 rated film, hmm. <laughs> and it's on Netflix. It's yeah. I mean, like you said, it's just it's, it doesn't seem to to make sense. I suppose the other thing is as well, being cynical, it depends who's behind the film. A little indie film probably won't get the the distribution. An actual film by like Lars von Trier or something that's by I don't know who. I don't honestly don't know who who was behind those films. But let's for sake of argument say it was like Sony or Warner Brothers or something. They're going to push through their film and probably will get distributed, even if it's got potentially worse. Well, worse again is just one of those... It's an ambiguous term, isn't it? I mean, it's... It's subjective, isn't it? What what shocks you might not shock me. Precisely, yeah. So stick your rating on there if you insist on having a rating and just say, there is a fucking rape scene. It ain't nice to watch. You know, Mm. go on your own jolly way. I think I made the point a few weeks back, or whenever it was that um, it must have been longer, longer ago than that. When when we had James on here, I think, and um, 
you know, the parents' guide on IMDb is usually good enough for me. Yeah. It, you know, if I am in work or whatever and I'm, you know, getting on with some data entry or whatever it happens to be and I just want something in the background to, you know, occasionally take my mind off it and stop my brain from falling out my ears, then I check the parents' guide on, on IMDb to see what's in it. And whether it's appropriate to watch in the setting or not. And that's fine. You know, I don't see why you can't have something like that for a film. If you were going to the cinema or you were going to stream it or whatever it was. I just don't... Yeah, the whole the whole BBFC thing is just... Um, the whole rating system as a whole needs a, a complete overhaul. It does, yeah. And when was the last time it was done? The 80s? Is that when it went from, like, X-rated and... A's and whatever yeah. it was to yeah. Well, so, and then well, a few years ago they changed up the twelve rating. Twelve A well, and stuff, yeah. But either way, it's just um, yeah. I think we're all in agreement here. It's it just needs to be changed. It's just and let indie make indie filmmakers get their films out there if they want them to be. Like and like the, you said earlier, you're an adult. You can choose to watch it if you want to, or choose not to. Well, it's, I mean, it's quite it's interesting because I mean, I I saw the tweet from from the director that said he'd been banned, so I went on a bit of a a rant, and a few mm. other people did. And obviously, this guy, there are nine people in this country that have watched Hate Crime, and mm. you know, people those people have now made him famous in the UK, <laughs> <laughs> and we're yeah. helping. We're here. We are helping him. Yeah, it's it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. And you're right. If it had been you know, any other actual real, you know, known director, I don't think it ever would have happened. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It wouldn't be an issue at all. Okay, so the last part of the news then, and I'll be very quick on this one, is that uh, it has been announced that a sequel to Blade Runner will be made and it will star Harrison Ford as well. Um, I mean, between this and Kill Keith, it really shows how the film industry have run out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how comparable they are, <laughs> but um, no, I mean I'm not really in favour of a sequel. I know there's a second book. I think I think I don't even know if Philip K. Dick actually made the the second book, but um, yeah, I don't know. What's the point? Why can't we just have something new or different? Or yeah, I don't know. I don't which, know what. Which it is. of the many vague? ambiguous endings are they going to use as canon for the sequel? Well, yeah, there is that too. <laughs> well, I yeah. suppose that's the good thing about the ending of the original. It's open to interpretation. Your own interpretation of what of what happened is deliberately ambiguous. Doing a sequel is just going to kick that square in the nuts, isn't it? Well, it does. It's like, it's like making a sequel to Inception and going, well, actually, this is how it ended. Well, no. Hmm. That's... That's not how it works. I want to make up my own mind and let me argue with my friends about it until the end of time. Yeah, or like making an Alien 5. It's <laughs> also been announced. <laughs> yeah. Which is not apparently anything to do with Prometheus. But Alien, although with Prometheus Alien 5 sequel. is going to be kind of Alien 2.5, isn't it? It's going to be set exactly. between 2 and 3. Yeah, um, which also doesn't really make sense. No. Because... Alien 3, correct me if I'm wrong, she wakes up after the ship's crash and Newt is dead. Yeah. And it's like there is literally no time between Aliens and Alien 3 for anything to happen. No, certainly not for them to bring 
Michael Bynes and, and Sigourney Weaver back for a, a movie in the middle. Well, yeah, that's the <clears throat> the other weird thing. So apparently, I don't know. And they'll be it, old. They would be. They would much look much older as well. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know. They could CGI the Sigourney Weaver to look younger, possibly. Like how they tried to with uh, Michael Caine in Kingsman, and then quickly decided it looked really ridiculous and cut it. So, so what we're talking actually is like really bad Arnie in Terminator Four CGI. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just um, just bring a character in from Avatar. That'll do. <laughs> well, uh, so that's some disappointing sequel news. And while we all try and get our heads around what exactly is going on in Hollywood. We'll have a quick break and feedback with a new release review of It Follows. In part two, then, we are reviewing the only new release that any of us have seen this week, and that is the new horror film It Follows, seen by both Andrew and... Oh, Andrew, you've written a review of this for the website, so it's probably best if you take the lead in this review uh, and start off by telling us what the film's all about. Okay, so the the film centres around Jay, uh, a 19-year-old, who goes on what seems like an innocent date with a bloke, and after they have sex in their car, or in his car, her car, a car, <laughs> <laughs> it's immaterial as to who the car belongs to, <laughs> He kind of drugs her, ties her up, and tells her that he's passed a curse on to her. And this curse is passed on through sex. And the curse is basically one entity that's going to walk behind her. It's going to follow her around. And if it gets close enough to her, we'll kill her. And the only way to get away from this curse is to have sex with someone else and pass it on. But if the curse then kills the person you have sex with, it goes back to chasing you. And it's a hundred minutes of her trying to figure out how to stop it. Yeah. It's actually, it's a really good film. It's, it, it's very, it, it could easily be a missed hit from the 80s. Everything about it just screams, you know, early 80s teen horror flick. It's kind of... Yeah. Everything, I think there's one thing in it. There's one, I don't even know what it is. It looks like a mini Kindle in a compact. <laughs> Fuck knows what it is. But there's that, and the rest, everything else, just looks like The Breakfast Club. <laughs> I, th- it, I, think, it, it, I think I found a solution to the curse. <laughs> Go on, then. Right, so the, the curse is passed on by having sex with someone. Yes. Right, so... Surely, if you have a wank, the curse ends because if you, you've passed it on, <laughs> you've not passed it on to anyone. You've, you've, you've given it to the bin. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you kill a bin? You can't. So, or you know, if you use something to clear it out and flush it down the toilet, that how yeah, I think I've solved this. I found the plot hole and I've solved it. That's probably a deleted scene from the film with the curse just stomping on a used tissue somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just flushing it there in the loo. Oh, going all <laughs> and then going back. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's an interesting theory, Steve. Um, well, tell, tell me how I'm wrong. 
<laughs> well, then what's... What? I, <laughs> no, I can't. You flummoxed me now. There you go. Yeah, wow. Anyway, uh, carry, on, <laughs> carry on with the review. Um, I can't take this film seriously anymore after such a glaring plot hole, but, you know, other people might want to see it, so carry on with the review. I mean, it's not the only glaring plot hole. Mm. Yeah, it, the, the film's not perfect in the slightest, and I kind of sat watching it going, no one else can see this thing. Is It's not explained where the curse comes from. Apparently mm. it just constantly walks and just follows you. Which is great, but with you know they drive for dozens and dozens of miles, and pretty soon after the thing's with them again. Yeah, there was an issue with like hang on, hang on, hang passes. on, hang on. Right, going back to the curse. What ha- <laughs> what happens if the person with the curse has a threesome, or is it an orgy? Kills whoever so was, was first, this, I guess. Whoever was first at what? If there's an orgy. Whoever, you know, finishes <laughs> last in the race. What happens? If it's a race, I don't know. What happens if the person with the curse ends up in a game of soggy biscuit? Oh, God. I don't... The, yeah, I suppose it never clarifies what it constitutes as sex. I need some clear oh. rules. I'm going to go ahead and say the clear rule, soggy biscuit ain't included. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever played that, have they? That was just... That's a pretty clear fucking rule for life. Soggy biscuit is not included. Uh, Anyway, um, if if anyone listens to this doesn't know what that is, um, don't don't Google it. We don't need to go there, Steve. Don't don't Google it. Don't Google it if you're at work. (laughs) Or in presence of uh, parents or loved ones or children. You don't ask your mum. Your mum doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Your dad might, but... <laughs> anyway, carry on with the review of it follows. Oh, God. I can't now. You've just ruined everything about this film for me. You've taken a film that I really enjoyed and made me want to watch it again with a box of digestives. <laughs> uh, hmm. Dear Lord. Right. It's a, it's a good film. Uh, so I'll give this get plot holes aside. <laughs> It's, um, I mean, I, yeah, I, just getting back on track, <laughs> I thought it was brilliant in how atmospheric it was. And uh, there are plot holes. There are things like how the curse, um, things that it can do suddenly change halfway through, I think. What you think is because ju- there's, there's a moment very early on when the curse is being explained to, uh, Maika Monroe's character, Jay, where it's, where the bloke says, that all it does is walk after you, but it's not done. So you kind of then expect a certain amount... It is a predictable film, let's put it that way. It's a predictable film, apart from the fact that what isn't predictable is how it changes what the curse does, I think. I mean, would you agree, Brooker? I I would, because there's one point kind of early on when the curse is chasing her and it's trying to open the door that's locked and the, the handles go into the dozen it's clearly trying to open it and then obviously mm. there's without spoilers the bit later on where clearly it wasn't even trying yes you know, well hold on a fucking minute make up your mind as to which which way you're going to try and do this it's it's not perfect not in a million yes. years no and there's one point in the film where um, I don't think this is a spoiler to say but it's like 
the cursor's caught up to her, but is just watching instead. Yeah. And oh, that freaked me out. It was very freaky. The whole, the whole there's, there's a lot of creepy moments in this. I mean, I, I didn't find myself scared by it, and um, you know, I've, this is like my uh, litmus test for for horror films. If I've run up the stairs a bit quicker to bed after seeing it, then it's kind of done its job. It didn't make me run up the stairs a little bit quicker um, with the lights off. And, a bit worried than usual, but there are definitely moments in there which just sort of send a shiver down your spine when they happen. I mean, and it did for me quite quite early on. There was a very for me there was a very scary moment that really freaked me out and really scared the crap out of me. Hmm. The problem was the rest of the film didn't kind of match that bit, so I could quite happily sit with my feet up, not worrying anymore. When I could, when you, it, I realised it wasn't going to equal that bit again. But there was sort of a couple mm-hmm. of really freaky kind of l- lending itself to the Japanese horror stuff. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And the, there's what, a lot of influences in there from not just like eighties and even seventies horror films. There's definitely an influence of um, Euro horror and J horror. It's all it's all there. It's it's very well homaged. In in it follows. I, I quite like how it's it's taken the. The you know the late seventies, early to mid eighties thing of you have sex now you're going to die you know mm, those are the yeah. rules, and it's kind of gone. But actually, if you want to live, keep having you, sex. Yeah, it's fantastic how it's flipped that on its head. And a lot of people have said it's um, an allegory to like STDs or <laughs> you know AIDS even in the nineties. I mean, I'm not so entirely sure that's accurate because um, uh, I mean. I just think it's trying to be a very good horror film and flip horror tropes on their head as opposed to having a message about the AIDS virus and or anything like that in there. Um, it's, it's very unapologetic about using the tropes that it uses, though. Yeah. And it does it very well. I, I, was, I have to admit, I was really impressed. I haven't seen many good horror films recently, and that one I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed it as well. But like I say, I loved the atmosphere. I thought the atmosphere of it was fantastic, and um, I wish I could remember who said it on Twitter, but somebody said it would make a great double bill with the guest, and I think, even though they're not the same sort of film, it totally would. If you want, like, an 80s, 70s horror film vibe from your movies, it would work with... Like a not-quite-retrospective. Yeah, exactly. Or even with, like, The House of the Devil, Ty West film, or... Something like that. I think they would all work very well if you sat down and watched them all in like one evening. It's got that sort of um, sort of uh, aura to it. There is. A, was it was it you that said it felt a lot like uh, Drag Me to Hell? Well, yeah. This is before I saw the film. I thought that the plot sounded a bit like um, you know the film Teeth. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I kind of like Teeth. I know it's a bit. Yeah, it's a bit crap, but I kind of like Teeth. It sounded a bit like Teeth meets Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. Um, I kind of, when I was watching it, I kind of thought, it, obviously it's not Drag Me to Hell, but it does the same kind of thing as Drag Me to Hell did, was it used all the classic all the classic yeah. tropes, all the stereotypes, everything, mm-hmm. and was made a decent film out of it and was completely unappointed. You weren't sitting there going, well, it's just the same shitty horror tropes, isn't it? Yeah. There's no, like... Um, smug self-awareness about what it's doing either. It's not. It's not trying to um, take the piss out of or parody 
those tropes. It's saying these are really good things to put into a horror film. Let's do it and do yeah. it properly. That's it. And if you can do it well, this is what you get. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, no, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, the ending as well was quite good. I don't know what, what you felt about the, the I, sort of final shot. I really liked it, but I kind of, I got that. I don't know if you had it as well. Like there was this, I, some, one of the reviews I read said something similar as well. Because of, because the, the curse doesn't chase you, it just kind of, it doesn't run, it just walks. Mm, it and, follows. Yeah. And it, it's a beautiful kind of every shot, anybody that's walking, you're like, oh, it's them. <laughs> oh, it's them. It was really, really well done. And yeah, the whole thing, all the way through every shot, there's a walking person. You're like, oh, fuck, is that the one? Yeah, yeah, definitely adds some sort of uh, danger to almost every scene. And uh, sometimes it looks fantastic. I mean, there's um, one of the early scenes of the of the curse, the first time you see the curse, because it looks different every time she sees it. It looks like someone she knows, or it looks like someone she's never met, or it looks like someone who you've seen in the film earlier, who's no longer involved in the film, etc., um, but there's a scene where um, it's, she's like, the curse looks like an old woman and it's walking towards her at school. And it's just... See, that's like, ugh, and that, horrible. That, that kind of reminded me a lot of Drag Me to Hell as well. It just made me think of the gypsy woman from Drag Me to Hell. I was like, please, for love of Christ, just get the fuck away from it. <laughs> yeah, there's Stop no ice stabbing in Run. a car, though. No. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> left out. It's not very right. I mean, it, it is similarish to like we said to Drag Me to Hell, but it's. I mean, don't want to give anybody the wrong impression. It's not like a Sam Raimi film at all. There's no. Um, no, well, you know, his films are very over the top and well, yeah, exaggerate. Pretty much any Sam Raimi horror film, you're laughing as much as you're crapping yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, and precisely. you're you're really not with It Follows. No, it's one hundred percent there to, to properly scare you. It's, it is, yeah, it's a straight up horror film. Okay, so that then brings a close to our review of It Follows. Uh, we'll have a quick break now, and up next will be our triple bill. So for the final part of this podcast, it's a welcome return to Triple Bill. We haven't done one of these in a long time, have we, Owen? Uh, no, I can't remember what the last one was, actually. No. Uh, no, we should do them more often. I kind of enjoy yeah. them, but... Oh, well, the last one, of course, was the artificial intelligence one. Yeah. Yeah, with, uh, when we had Matt on here. So not too long ago, really. But yeah. I think we didn't do many the year before. So 2015, our failed critics' resolution, although it's now March, could be to do more Triple Bill podcasts. Yeah. Uh, this one, um, not... Well, I suppose linked to Leonard Nimoy... Um, passing away, he's not come back from the dead. Um, but in, in one of the Star Trek films, I forget which one, uh, Spock came back from the dead. Um, yeah. And, and in in tribute to that, the Triple Bill is our favourite three uh, characters that have returned from the dead. Um, I'm going to kick this Triple Bill off. I'm going to go back with my character in this in, or characters in this film died 65 million years ago, approximately. <laughs> this is excellent. Go on, carry yes. on. Um, <laughs> but they, they came back to, from the dead and have now been in three films with a fourth one to come out soon, and that is a dinosaur from Jurassic Park. 
inspired, I think, yes. that choice is. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so, obviously, died out um, by being killed by an asteroid, we think, or climate change, or something. Something happened, they all died, because they're not here now, running around. And in Jurassic Park, John Hammond and some scientists found some DNA from uh, a insect and recreated dinosaurs and built a theme park which didn't go quite according to plan but has led to at least one good film or one great film and a couple of not so good ones and we're hoping a, a slightly better fourth outing although trained velociraptors doesn't seem very exciting or, mm. or clever from the trailer but we'll see um <laughs> I'm... It was the moment when they revealed that it could possibly be a film about spliced dinosaurs, so you could have DNA mixed, and therefore some good velociraptors that I just... I lost interest in Jurassic World. I really hope it's good, but every time I see the trailer or hear about it, I just think even less of it. I don't, I don't even think Chris Pratt can carry that film. It seems a train wreck. Yeah. Um, but but, mm-hmm. but going back to Jurassic Park, it is it's a great film all round, a great action adventure film with with dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are always cool. Yeah, I've said, and it doesn't I've, look. I've said this before when I've gone to London and gone to the Natural History Museum and the Science Museum. There's two things that are always called cool, dinosaurs and space. Yeah. <laughs> Although in the Natural History Museum, isn't there a bit of controversy at the moment that their dinosaur's not real? And, and they're getting rid of it and replacing it with a blue whale, I think. Yeah. The skeleton of a whale. So that's disappointing. Because that's, that's yeah. almost as good, isn't it? Giant dinosaur, big-ass fish. Yeah. The so, science, I'm getting the feeling science isn't our strongest topic this week. No. <laughs> a giant whale that's a fish and getting DNA from a bug or something is yeah well that, that, that was right that's what happened in Jurassic Park it's not my fault, fault with the science of Jurassic Park is fish <laughs> yeah okay I can only go with what material I've got to work on the <laughs> uh, yeah. second character in my triple bill comes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that is Agent Phil Coulson We've got a crossover, I'm afraid. Have we? Yes. Yes. So well, you can join in on this one then. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, obviously killed in the Avengers um, by Loki, and brought back some point after that to star in his own show, Agents of Shield. So he's done pretty well for himself. Yeah. Uh, he. It was one of those where I think the character was so popular that. Um, I don't think people could accept that he died. It was one of those where... Um, I mean, I don't really know. It's one of these where we mentioned it earlier on. I don't know how much of it is okay to talk about before it becomes a spoiler. I mean, surely everyone who wanted to see Avengers has seen it by now. That's yeah. my general It's It's, it's three years old now. Yeah, yeah. There, there have been like five other films since... Exactly, and it's his sacrifice played a big part in the other film stories as and, well. And he's got his own TV show now. Yeah. So. Okay. So his his death scene 
was in, when I was watching the film for the first time in the cinema, shocking. I thought did not expect it to happen. No, and um, he was like I say, genuinely a really popular character, considering he was just a little sidekick to. He's he's kind of got the same, or kind of had the same uh, impact as Boba Boba Fett because in Star Wars, he yes. in Star Wars he didn't really do anything. He <laughs> he was in one he was in one film where he took Han Solo off in his, his ship. And he was in Return of the Jedi, and got eaten by a big thing in the ground, and that that was it. And somehow he became really, really popular. Mm. Yeah, and Clark, um, the guy's name, uh, Clark Gregg, who plays Phil Coulson's really good at it as well. Yeah, he's just got the right blend of being a straight man, but actually with some humorous lines and. Uh, yeah, no, I think I, he definitely was one of those that stood out as being one of my first choices for this list. So I'm glad it wasn't just me who picked him, actually. And, he, and he's completely um, original, isn't he, to the cinematic universe? He's not a comic book character. That's yeah, that's right. Across, yeah. Which, is, um, which is, I suppose, quite an achievement in itself for a character not from the comics to have, to have made such an impact in, in comic mm. book films. Although the TV series is majorly shit, so it's spoiled I've not watched any his character. The TV series, I, I kind of looked at it and went, no, I just no. I watched the first series season, and then is it is it the second season that's been yeah. on? Yeah, I couldn't remember whether it was just a break or not. But this, the first season picked up towards the end, and then the second season started, and it was just as bad as it was when it was starting in season one. So I've just given up on it. I can't be asked to spend that long watching such shit TV, to be honest. Apparently, Agent Carter's really good, though. Oh, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. I mean, it's not put me off Marvel films or other spin-off TV series or anything like that at all, but, um, yeah, I don't know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was just really crap. And the final person in my triple bill of favourite characters resurrected from the dead is... E.T. from the film E.T. Yeah, he he dies somehow. I think it's because he's far away from his home or his species and it somehow drains all his his life out of him. Um, Also causes Elliot to get ill as well, um, somehow. And then he recovers, which is just... Everyone's seen E.T. now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, think you were right for spoilers for a thirty. Yeah, I reckon movie. so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, E.T. Um, cool little alien guy dies and comes back and then leaves Elliot on his own, abandons him. That's a very glass half empty way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no lessons are learned. He just sort of buggers <clears throat> off after a bit. Yeah. Leaves him on his own. Yeah, his mates come back and pick him up, and that's it. He goes off again, um, never to be seen until the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't know what George Lucas was playing at really. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Andrew, why don't you go next with your triple bill? All right. Okay. So my first one is a bit of a cheeky one, and this this guy has died several times in one movie. Uh, including committing suicide and being hit by a train. 
I went with uh, Phil Connors from Groundhog Day. That is brilliant. Oh, why didn't I think that's... Yeah, brilliant. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. I was like, oh, people have died. People have died. And I like, yeah, great. He, he keeps killing himself. You know, he, I yeah. think he kills himself three or four times in the film, doesn't he? And well, there's a theory that the film, actually, um, his life is, like, a couple thousand years long. Because, yeah, there's this weird... I'm sure you sent me this, Steve. It must have been you. I don't know. Like I've, I've not heard about it. Uh, well, there's something where, like, someone worked out how long it would take him to do all the things that he did, and, you know, like, learning to play the piano as well as he did, and working out how long it took him to do this, that and the other, so that by the time that he actually gets everything right, it probably took him a couple millennia to sort out. Oh, bloody hell. So, Doesn't he probably like dies more more than a couple times, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I don't that film wouldn't be quite as fun to watch. No. <laughs> yeah, just hours and hours of him learning to play the piano. Mm-hmm. Bloody hell, right. Uh, my second one is, is it, it seems really simple and really kind of obvious, but I kind of, I went with uh, Ellen Ripley between Alien 3 and Alien 4. Ah, that's another crossover, that's two of mine, God, each of oh, you have taken. Hell. Sorry, dude. <laughs> that's alright. Just, just means less of you talking, Owen. <laughs> yeah. I've got a list of like five, I literally I have <laughs> ones for an emergency in case someone said one of mine. <laughs> Hopefully then, because my my third one, hopefully, is just so stupid and cheeky that you'd never have thought of it. Okay. Well, let's, let's carry on with Ripley before that, though. Yeah, sorry. So, yes, at the end of Alien 3, Ellen Ripley doesn't want the company. Do you know that they're the company by the end of Alien 3? Yeah, you must do. Hmm. So, yeah. I think so, yeah. Ellen Ripley doesn't want uh, the Whalen yutani company to have the alien that is growing inside her that's happened somewhere between Aliens, Neil Blomkamp's new movie, and Alien 3. So instead of giving herself up when the company comes to collect her, she throws herself into a pit of lava, her and the alien as well. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, what is it, a couple of hundred years between yeah, Alien 3 and 4? Yeah. Uh and a brand new company that want the same thing have got her DNA from the planet that she was on in 3 and cloned her, not entirely successfully, several times, and brought her back as herself with an alien inside of her again. It's a... Uh, I quite liked it. It's It was the only way to bring back Alien 4 and it not be worse than it already was <laughs> it's a pretty pretty bad film i think it's pretty shit it's there was no need for it and, no. and it was a massively troubled production as well yeah you had people like joss whedon who basically disowned everything to do with it you know he walked away from it said it's nothing like the film i was asked to write and you know the well, I wish i could remember the director's name french guy who Junette, Junette, Jean-Pierre Junette. That's him, yeah. He basically said, I'm not working for Hollywood film studios again. That's it. I think he threw a hissy fit about it and hated what they did to his film and stuff. So there's a lot of things that are wrong with 
with Alien Resurrection. That it's interesting that it was that anybody actually got on board to make Alien Four after what happened with Fincher and Alien Three. Because mm. you know, no one in their right mind would have gone anywhere near the Alien franchise after that. No. Well, it was that was another film that was butchered as well, wasn't it? So it was, it was absolutely annihilated. I I only recently actually saw the proper you know Fincher director's cut thing, and it's a completely different film. I still haven't seen the director's cut. I really do want to see it though. What what do they change in it? Is it just like it suddenly all? There's like two or three completely brand new extra scenes in it that change everything in the film. Right. There's there's one because I I had to actually I rewound it when we first watched it because again, again it was only recently I think we came out of watching Predators when it was at the cinema and went, I went oh, I want to watch Alien now I've not bought <laughs> Alien on Blu-ray yet let's go and buy Alien on Blu-ray. And we sat down and binged like all four movies. Mm-hmm. So by the time we got to three, I was like, I need to rewind that and make sure that <laughs> was that there before. Because mm. uh, I'm not actually sure if the theatrical, I think the theatrical cuts on the disc as well. I didn't bother looking. But there's like this one scene in a storage area with extra guys and alien in the room that actually it then removes part that is in the theatrical cut of Alien Three that would be after it because guy's already dead (laughs) (laughs) it's right i I mean it's it's absolutely worth grabbing if you see it on blu-ray the and only it looks gorgeous as well Mm. i'll review the blu-ray for you as well it it looks like it was filmed last year it looks amazing it's that i mean people keep saying like the, the 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 eternal debate between aliens and alien will go on until you know, the films have completely drifted out of consciousness of everyone, but the argument that's always put forward for Alien is that it gets a bit dated, that you watch it now and it's just not as tense or whatever, but I completely disagree with that. I I don't see that at all. Yeah, I think if anything, Aliens is the one that now looks very 80s. And I know that James Cameron was not completely spoofing the 80s action genre but you know he was that was another film that was quite self-aware like we talked about with it follows earlier yeah how that was very much aware of what it was but without seeming smug about it so was aliens without seeming smug about 80s action movies but alien is the one i think has has lasted the longest as being just so super creepy still and the thing with aliens is it's all because it's all in the dark and it's all sorry alien because it's all in the dark and it's all uh, it's very it's a very claustrophobic film isn't it mm. and there's, yeah yeah you know there's not a lot of big massive action set pieces that look dated the second a new bit of technology comes out yeah it's a dude in a bodysuit and exactly. you know, a bit of mechanics and it doesn't matter how old outside of your spacesuit looking a bit shit <laughs> yeah it it stands up perfectly well the thing with aliens for me is I. I don't, you can't compare the two because Aliens is well, yeah, a war that. movie. Yeah, yeah. In in all in all but being in Vietnam, it's a war movie. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, it is a little bit unfair to compare them. Um, they only do get compared, obviously, for being a sequel of the other. So, but yeah, but Alien Resurrection though, oh. sequel, non-sequel, going to be written out of the history of the franchise, whatever is just, I think it's just a pile of shit, really. It's awful. It's a oh. terrible, terrible film. Okay, uh, Andrew, what's your final choice? My my last one, like I say, is a bit of a cheeky one, because 
the guy actually gets two films where he does the same thing, where he dies and comes back. <laughs> it's uh, Chev Chelios from the Crank movie. You've got to be fucking kidding me. That's all no. three of my... F- <laughs> oh, mother... I thought no one will fucking guess that. No uh, one will come up with that. Oh, sorry, dude. So, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> so, Owen's triple bill was, was completely pointless tonight, then. That's it, yeah. yeah. I was just like, I might as well go home. Well, I am home. I might as well, just, yeah, leave. I've got three others, I suppose, but I don't know how to fit them. <laughs> We'll carry on. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Chef Chelios, yes. So, Chef Chelios, so yeah, two films in a row, he dies. And I can, you know what? It's been so long since I've seen Crank 2, I can't remember what he has to do to keep himself alive again. In well, in, at the end of Crank, he's plummeting out of a helicopter. Yeah. So, at the start of Crank High Voltage, he sort of, it pretty much picks up where the film left off, where and Crank left off, and he's scraped off the, the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his heart is surgically removed and replaced with a battery. And you yeah. have to keep charging it. Yeah. So. That's the one, because we end yeah. up with like a Godzilla thing as well, don't we? Yeah. He also has he uses static electricity at one point from Jagging, <laughs> which is just absolutely oh, absurd. Films They're so, brilliant. They're so stupid and so brilliant at the same time. It's incredible. Any other person in that film, any other, like... if it is, I think it's because with Crank, it just doesn't let up at all. If it just took its foot off the gas for a second to think about what it was doing, it would be a worse film. Oh, yeah, it, it, just... it would be unwatchable, I think, if it done that. Exactly. But because it just constantly keeps piling it all on, it's, it's, it gets away with it. And the fact it's... they they tease the third one as well at the end of number mm. two, don't they? Yes. All that, he dies and then opens his eyes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Come on, <laughs> give, give me a third one, please. I, yeah, I, will watch I, watch as, I will watch as many of them as you want to plough through my TV, happily. Okay. Um, so, Owen, Owen, have you got anything left to say, really? Well, only, like, I suppose, because my three films have now gone, my three characters have now gone, um, just to sort of point out um, about Spock in Star Trek, because he, his death scene in Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, is spectacular you know um i have talked about the film before i'm not going to go over all ground too much but it, it it's just a tremendous bit of corny acting i think <laughs> it's really quite touching and then this this he does make a comeback in star trek 3 is when he's sort of brought back um which isn't quite as good a, a film and in star trek 4 the one where they go down and rescue the whales in the 1980s uh, is like the final part of a trilogy. So two, three, and four are kind of the three films that are linked. Um, so yeah, so he dies, Star Trek 2 comes back, Star Trek 3 mind melds with bones, gets his mind back into his his body. Because have you seen Star Trek 3? Anyone? A long time ago. Because they um, terraform the planet and as part of terraforming the planet Spock's resurrected through that as just a physical body so yeah I, I do remember wow it was a long time since I saw that yeah I watched them not too long ago it was a couple of years ago I think but um, I had to look up what actually happened to bring him back because I completely forgot Star Trek 3 is pretty forgettable um, but Spock is fantastic in them the only other two I had, one I was thinking of, but I wasn't really keen on, 
Jean Grey in X-Men. I don't yeah. blame you for not being keen on that one. Yeah. It's a terrible death scene <laughs> in The Last Stand, and her resurrection's kind of just... Pointless. Um, well, not pointless. It has a purpose, but it's just pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, And then the only other one I had was me trying to shoehorn Vincent Price into the, the series with Pitt and the Pendulum in 1961. But then Barbara Steele's character doesn't die. She's just pretending to be dead. And Vincent Price isn't dead. He just gets sort of possessed slash goes mad. So... I couldn't really use that one in the end. So, yeah, I ended up with Coulson, Ripley, and um, Chev Chelios. I can't believe gone. you pulled Chev Chelios. I know. I, I was chuffed with that one as well. I was at work, and I, was, I said to the lads, I was like, oh, no one's going to fucking come up with that. I've got <laughs> this fucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the party. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's all for, for Triple Bill, rather disappointingly for Owen, who's <laughs> out on on picking any of his for us. Uh, I think that's the first time it's happened, though, isn't it? Where think one of so, us has yeah. had all three of their films picked. I think so, yeah. Uh, anyway, we are about to wrap up this podcast now. All that's left to go is the recommendations for next week. I'm going to go with Saturday... Um, Actually, Saturday morning, so it's Friday night, really. Uh, 25 past midnight on Channel 4 on Saturday morning is Dog Soldiers. Nice. Yeah, good film. Um, Owen? Uh, Mine's on Sunday evening or Monday morning, whichever way you want to look at it. 10 past midnight on Sunday evening. Uh, On BBC Two is a film called Howl, um, which is the story of the beat poet... Alan Ginsberg and his poem Howl and he's played by James Franco very good film and possibly the best acting performance I've seen from James Franco I, I know he's um, he gets a bit of stick sometimes for just making the same sort of comedies and playing similar sort of characters but he is genuinely very good in Howl okay and Andrew uh, so my one is sorry I, I have my notes up and I moved it uh, <laughs> so 10 to 11 on Friday night on film 4 is District 9 Yes, which I adore okay. as a film, and it's actually it's going to work in nicely to sit and watch that before when uh, Chappie comes out on Friday. Ex- yeah. Excellent choice, sir. Um, mm. So yes, that's all for uh, this week's podcast. Um, oh, what have we got lined up for next week? Chappie is the main review there next we week. Yeah, which I'm really. I went through a phase of being. Quite looking forward to it, but not that bothered after Elysium, which I was I liked, but wasn't as good as District 9. And then I went through a phase of thinking, oh, it looks terrible from the trailer. And now I'm really excited for it again. I just Every time I see more of it or read more about it, it seems even better. So I'm really looking forward to Chappie now. OK. So, yes, that is all for this week's Failed Critics podcast. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully you'll be back again next week. In the meantime, you can find our website at www.failedcritics.com, and we're on Twitter as well. And so if you want to keep up with what we're doing, I suggest going over there and following us. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and look forward to being back next week.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.